Hey, and welcome back to the A24 podcast. Filmmaker Mike Mills has made no secret of his love for the talking heads, and a conversation between Mike and David Byrne has been at the top of our podcast bucket list since 20th Century Women. We finally got them together last month, the morning after the New York Film Festival premiere of Mike's newest film, Come On, Come On. We hope you enjoy the episode. You can see Come On, Come On in theaters nationwide this weekend, and we can't recommend it enough. Hi, this is Mike Mills, and I'm super honored to be here with David Byrne, friend of Mike's, and uh, I'm thrilled to be here <laughs> on a New York morning. Yeah, and we're doing an A24 podcast. I have lots of questions. Can I ask you a question? Oh, that'd be yeah. awesome. Okay. okay. <laughs> has Hopper seen this film? That's a um, question. Yeah, that's a question. Um, Hopper has seen parts of the edit. So I edited it all through the pandemic, right? Right. And alone in my office, or ever casting remotely. Mm-hmm. And in the morning, I would do Zoom school with Hopper uh-huh. until like 1230, and then I'd go edit. So often Hopper would end up down in my office. Uh, yes, yes. But Hopper has a real advanced sense of art and the meta-ness of like my films about people I know. Mm-hmm. Hopper's very in tune with it. Gets it more than I do, I actually think. Uh-huh. I said to them, um, I think I want to make a film that's kind of about us a little bit, or it starts there, you know? Mm-hmm. And what do you think about that? And Hopper said, is that, you mean like, like you know how people are really huge, and if if you're lucky, you know, when you make a film about them, you might get a sliver of that person, but there's all this hugeness left over. And I was like, uh, wait, that's what I say about my movies. He's like, yeah, I know, I've heard you say that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he's like, and, and I think Hopper said something like, you know, you're very, uh, you're very repetitive. How did how did the script evolve? I'm really curious because the writing, it's, it feels like odd conversation just being captured. It doesn't feel like oh we're following a script. This is taking us somewhere. We know you know this all kind of. It doesn't feel like there's a plot line that's uh-huh. hidden. It just feels like oh these are. Uh-huh. Almost documentary moments. It, it feels like that, but you thought, well, how do you how do you write that? Uh huh. Well, I think part of the effect that you're talking about, where it doesn't feel like a scene announces itself and it goes through an arc and then it ends. A lot of that's actually also in the editing. You know, like finding mm-hmm. where you obviously we shoot more than what you see and finding those points is actually a part of the writing process, obviously. You know, it's like the editing process. For me, uh, the suspension of disbelief is very thin or doesn't happen. So I had to enchant myself into like trying to do a script. And I'm not like a born writer. I'm not like a, I don't identify as a writer a lot of times. And I think it's actually very empowering when I write. I don't have any pride about it, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm sort of by any means necessary. I had to like talk myself into it a lot. I have to re re-convince myself it's worth doing all that kind of stuff um and one of the key ways that i can believe in it is like okay if i know the person if i've seen this stuff happen if i'm coming from like a reporting place and and also like yeah there's someone usually there's someone i love in real life at the center of these last films Uh, and also like some deep challenge questions something i can't figure out that like turns in me and that like okay I can start writing um so it started with stuff that happened in my life and stuff I saw Hopper do and also the world of Hopper like all their friends people at school other moms I met uh teachers just like that whole world of childhood and 
my favorite way to write is to like something happen and I pretty much just like scoop it up. And then the real writing process is like, how do you align those things to then make some kind of story? But I'm not interested in stories that have like a lot of causality, you know, like I like exactly. sort of sitting in the space of it, you know. It has to have some causality or people get bored, but it's like trying to figure that out. Um, so often I'll, I'll steal pieces I heard or like Aaron Destern from The National, his kid, um, Ingrid, does that orphan thing. You know, so, so we're at their house and he, uh -huh. they're talking about, oh, my God, this kid does this orphan thing where they all day long, they make me role play that my children have died and they've come to replace them and they have all these rules. And I was like, that's fascinating. Can I, you know, like, and, and like I sat on it and I was like a week later, I was like, Aaron, could I take that? Like, could I? Mm -hmm. And then Aaron actually interviewed Ingrid, like, what is the story again? And he sent me some text things of it. That kind of process is my favorite thing. I feel like alive. I feel like a journalist a little bit more than like a fictional writer. So that goes on for like a year and a half, that kind of work. Very alone, I, I like I write by like drinking a lot of coffee, often listening to like something from Remain in Light on loop and sort of like enchanting myself. Mm. Standing up, dancing around, and do that for a long time. Then the wonderful thing happens where I meet the actor person and I love giving it over to them like I have to give it to them to like change and do their own way and, and like or in this process me and Joaquin talked about the script so much it's how I convinced him into doing the film like him and me rereading it over and over again changing things having new ideas Joaquin talking a lot about not just his character just the whole movie and he's uh -huh. so smart and interesting fun to play with it was like a I don't know, you must, I think musicians have this much more than writers, like you get this playmate mm -hmm. and it brings out all the stuff in you and your intelligence just rises and you, the camaraderie to get to finish it, right? Like I, I yeah. love that. So when you're collecting these moments, you're not necessarily starting at the beginning and kind of working your way through and thinking about three acts and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I try to never do that. Or yeah. well, I collect a lot. So I'll collect for like six months. Yeah. And I just yeah. like write in a in a notebook. I used to just do it on cards. So there's no script around, no no digital anything. Mm -hmm. um, I've actually thought about stories I've heard of you doing true stories. Like you just do all the pictures, right? Exactly. Yeah. I, st I started with and that, uh, this odd situation. Yeah. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Oh, well, like an odd situation of an odd person, a person who's kind of a little eccentric. Right in this kind of location, this is how they live, this is what they're fascinated with, and then I had no idea how I was gonna thread that stuff Yeah, in. yeah. I've seen a picture of like, you did a lot of drawings. Yes. And it was like a visual, yeah. uh, like physical situation, right? Exactly, I, it wasn't exactly storyboards, but it was on the way to being storyboards. Yeah, yeah. What I love to do, maybe one of my most favorite things is when I'm just scouting by myself, and I'm taking a bunch of pictures like, Chinatown between two bridges to figure out and I I have thought about that process of yours a lot because then I get these images and I start doing that moving them around on, mm -hmm. a, on a PDF and I kind of figure out the texture of the film visually rather than in terms mm -hmm. of like words black and white uh-huh did you wrestle with whether to shoot in black and white or not or whether uh, like what that might imply what people might think of, do you think ahead and go, well, what do people think of this? And Yeah, uh, for sure. Um, I love black and white movies and they're their own species and I'm old enough now, I'm like, gotta do it, you know? And and then 
and just in my heart, I would love to do one. And then this story came around, and there's one part of the story that I always saw in black and white, and that's like the male, fi- the adult figure, and the child figure, just like walking through space, like that image. Mm-hmm. And walking through cities. And um, to me, that it's in black and white, and it, because it has like an archetypal fable quality to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when soon as you make something black and white, really exception abstraction, I feel like you've said to the audience, okay, this is a drawing, or this, is, this isn't saying it's reality, it's like something different. And it gives you sort of more elbow room, I feel like, as a filmmaker, like tonally, you can shift around easier. Um, and it does crazy things as sound and music. I didn't, like in my sound mix to this movie, there is so much Foley, there's so many backgrounds, it's like just chock full of sound. And you think the, black and white allows that more of that to come, you know, or requires more? But it, it it just eats the sound, and and you enjoy the ride. I think the sound replaces the 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 lanes that were the color or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I would never do that kind of stuff in my other movies. Like if Joaquin's hand goes through his hair, it's foleyed too. Wow! It's in addition to the production sound, <laughs> it's a super layered sound. And and the foley was the, so the real foley stages hardly exist anywhere now. They exist in the country of Georgia. There's like one of those what? old film studios that's got the real foley stage with the different with the pits, pits and, of gravel and all kinds of stuff. And these guys are my 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 amazing um, Zach Sievers, my sound mixer. He'd be we we're on this big beautiful stage, and I'd be like, "That roller skates don't sound right. Like those are not polyurethane wheels. Those are you know other wheels." Like, and he would I'd see him texting. And then like 20 minutes later, I hear like the right sound. I was like, well, who are you texting? And he's like, the country of Georgia. There's <laughs> oh these guys goodness. there. And so all the sound of my movie actually is from <laughs> Eastern Europe. Uh, I get what you're saying, that, that black and white is a little bit of a distancing effect. Yes. Where it kind of says, yeah. this is... Uh, not quite the real world. Yeah, but it looks like the real world. Yeah, it has a very close resemblance to the real world. But we're telling you a story here. Yeah, we're telling you a story. I really and I like that for a bunch of reasons. Also, my film, me, and the subject matter of this film could be so too sweet. You know, it could be. Oh so yeah, I wrote you about that. Nice, but that was one of the decisions to try. I knew my tendencies. Like I just want to go give everyone a hug. Right? Uh huh. And you gotta can't just do that all the time, and. Um, and it, Joaquin and I worked against that a lot in a really nice, productive way. But also, I was like, black and white will help this. Like, it'll help the take this take some of the sauce off the child image. Yes. You know, and off of my tendencies. You know, mm-hmm. so that'll, that'll be positive. Then making it like you frame something up in black and white, you're like, oh, the way that window is against the back of your head, it's like a visualization of your energy. Like so many of the frames in that movie feel like German expressionist to me, uh-huh. like the crazy oak trees in New Orleans. Oh, yeah. When you're talking about like bi- a bipolar dad, it's like it's the bi- uh-huh. <laughs> your brain wants to like glue the two things together more. Yeah. I wrote, speaking of that, I, I wrote to Mike. I'm talking to the <laughs> listener now. Yeah. Uh, saying how it was I really noticed how a story like this could very easily slip into kind of syrupy sentimentality and mm. that kind of thing but you never went there mm. you kind of waved at it uh-huh. <laughs> but uh-huh. never completely went in there the characters and the acting and the writing all kept it a, just a little bit odd and a little bit off kilter uh-huh. And surprising, the things people would say, 
the uh-huh. actors would say, uh-huh. were all kind of surprising. So they weren't like working your kind of your heart and mm-hmm. your, all, all that. Mm-hmm. You didn't feel manipulated in the way that you do when something is obviously yeah. sentimental. Yeah, that was. Did you have to consciously think about that sometimes and go, okay, oh no, no, I have to yeah. change that. That's a little too much of an obvious yeah. need to be hugged. Yeah, no, a lot. Yeah, uh, um, that was that was maybe one of the majors, majorest, <laughs> biggest concerns. Um, also, because I, I, I really, I, I'm old enough now to know, like some of my strengths and my weaknesses, and that's actually one that is a weakness of mine. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I want a certain connective emotionality, or I enjoy it so much. I want the song to have the chorus all the time. Anyways, um, that was one of the funnest things about me and Joaquin's connection is like he's so hyper aware of stuff like that and just bullshit in general, power dynamics. When you're trying to manipulate an audience, like he's really allergic to it in a very intelligent way. Mm-hmm. And I think he was happy that I was like really alive to any of his comments in that direction. You know, I'd be like, please more. What else? What else smells uh-huh. fishy to you? Like, let's yeah, yeah. let's have it all out. So that was really lovely. And that was, I think he really helped make the film not sentimental. And, and being my partner and like always checking that. Yeah, in a way, keeping all that at arm's length uh-huh. became like a strength Oh, that's nice. Yeah, rather, rather than a weakness. Yeah, um, I watched it a little bit at Alice Tully Hall, and I kind of felt like something accruing, you know, like that ha- that I hadn't experienced quite mm. that way. Like when you, when you see your film projected, it's so weird with a bunch of people. It transforms. I'm sure you've had this experience, but like I felt like this weird way that it like slowly accrues things, and I was like, ah, oh, so I hope it does. It's like a nice compliment, and I. It's only after like so many layers of like work and editing and stuff like that that maybe that that happens. But the, the other answer to this question is like Joaquin is really so intelligent and savvy. Gabby is so smart, you know. Like Gabby and and hates bullshit and hates something that's trying to like get get you, you know. Woody is like that too. Woody and he's he's British. He's very lovely. He's very like so mature. He's the most mature, much more mature than Gabby and. And, and Joaquin by far not, that's not a cute joke it's like he's much more professional in lots of ways he's not performing for the camera you know, like so many kids are taught to like like shine for the camera he, mm-hmm. he's often looking away it's as if it didn't exist he's even not super performing for me and I really sort of try to encourage that you know mm-hmm. like don't don't just try to please me and he has it he has a strong thing anyways he has like a real strong sense of self how did you find him? Just casting, just like the wow. luck just came through in the first round. Wow. Yeah. That is, <laughs> well, okay, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah. Now, I, me and Joaquin both are like, well, this film might happen, might not. It's to see if you get a kid, you know? Yeah. And then like, yeah, he was literally like kid two. Very lucky in a way. Yeah, no, it's uh, insanely lucky. This, I mentioned this earlier, this is the first film I've seen uh-huh. in a movie theater uh, well, since uh, you know, like a year and a half, yeah, whatever. And uh, the audience and I were all having this experience of not only is this a great movie, but it's like here we're watching a movie again yeah. in the in a theater, and look how amazing it is. Yeah, and how I mean, it's, it's Alice Tully's the film festival, so it's beautiful projection. Yeah, sound is great, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but at the same time, you're, you're just thinking. This is the experience we've been missing. It's, I find it really emotional. We first showed the film in Telluride, and so when I edited the movie, I never once saw it in a room with anyone else the whole mm. time, not once. 
Which I was is sitting so next weird. to your assistant. Yeah. And he said the same thing. He's, he's, oh, only yeah. see, he's seen it many times where it's just him checking the... He's QC'd it a lot of times. Yeah, yeah. checking the sound yeah. quality and the yeah. projection quality and yeah. all this kind of stuff. And he goes, we've never really seen it with an, an audience. Yeah. There's a few of my crew sitting next to you. Uh-huh. Uh, and they, yeah, they're all, it was so lovely that they got to see it there. I think that's like the best theater in the world. It's pretty amazing, yeah. And my my film format is 166, you know, so it's uh-huh. like a taller format. I have a picture of it. It fits right into the architecture. Like the <laughs> yes. proscenium is like built for my movie. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, so I, I think that was the highlight. I think that was it. <laughs> <laughs> Music in the in the movie I recognized a couple of, I think I recognized a really early like Lou Reed yeah. Velvet Underground song the Primitives this is before, it was like when the right he wrote for Pickwick or whatever it was yeah he was like a staff writer yeah. or something yeah. like that yeah. <laughs> I just thought and I, you always think this is a guy they hired as a staff writer <laughs> that song too it's, yes. it's called The Ostrich and the lyrics are just off the wall it's, yeah. it's really such a lovely feral song and uh-huh. I did it so I did an Irma Thomas song when coming into New, to New Orleans. Yeah. Kind of, uh, whatever. It just felt great. So I was kind of looking for a New York song. Mm-hmm. And I had to avoid you because uh-huh. I've, I've, I've exploited your catalog <laughs> too much. Um, so we bounced around so many different things. Um, but then that one came out. And I, I love how kind of hard to place that song mm-hmm. is. And it felt like it was in Johnny's record collection to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then the Desners did the the score. Yes, which was a really important part. I think people. Both of them. Uh, yeah, highly collaborative engine. With over you there. or with the, with each other. Everyone. Uh-huh. They're like they're so polyamorous musically. It's insane, <laughs> and uh, and really beautifully so. Like I learned a lot hanging out with them about collaborating and and like openness. Mm-hmm. And like one of their songs might have like eight different people playing on it besides their band. Right. You know. Okay, so what was the process then? So it was all remote, but I had started talking to them before the, before shooting because I'd done this long project with them, and I, I had written a, a lot of the script at Aaron's studio upstate just while I was mm-hmm. working on stuff with them. Um, and but anyways, I feel like they really found the heart of the movie. Like the, the, this like It's very emotional, but it's like trying to be somewhat platonic or whatever. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and they found that line more than anything yeah it's not telling you how to feel but but it's really emotional yeah without that music the film does not work (laughs) (laughs) yeah and then they did more just sort of symphonic-y things because i thought i wanted because there's there's like a classical quality to the movie to me it's like part documentary part very now part very free and like mike lee film you know Mm -hmm. and then part like a fable to me or or like i thought about casablanca like all the framings like clean singles person-centered you know, it's, it's like mm-hmm. an old Hollywood movie in some ways. So I thought, oh, like a classical score with like strings and all that. So, so, I, so I, learned, I learned a lot being around that. Maybe it helps that you're not another musician. Yeah, no, totally. So you're hearing things from whatever, a filmmaker or a visual point of view or a storytelling point of view or some other point of view, and it's not like... They, they were super into that. I didn't... Because uh-huh. I, I, I would talk about each song as a story. How do you, uh, so how do you consume music? How do you... Um, How do you listen to music? Do you make? I sometimes listen to vinyl, not all the time, but it's it's a thing. You kind of go, this is very intentional. I'm yeah, going to listen to yeah, this right. record. You right have now. to turn it. And you, yeah. you have you have like a connection or relationship to mm-hmm. it, right? And certain records sound like uh, amazing. It's like medicine. So like that will like help me. Or like when I'm so when I'm writing, I have to listen to music very loud on headphones, very wow. caffeinated, wow. on loop. 
uh, it's it has it's like a song or a record or a few songs like on loop mm -hmm. all day long. Wow. So wow. you so it's like an enchantment thing. Yes, yes. And you know? so you yeah, it becomes <laughs> Cuz I had to get myself out of the picture. Visual references. Yeah. Did you ha have ones that visual references you were conscious of? Um besides the aspect ratio and yeah, of, of older movies. So part of that aspect ratio is a nod to Alice in the Cities, the Alice oh, yeah, the yeah, Avengers. Yeah. So that film was that was like a so I was pretty depressed after my last movie 2016, really lost white man cultural space what the hell do i do you know what i mean and um and also just dad and uh, um and i kept watching alice in the cities or just parts of it mm -hmm. and such a beautiful movie such a beautiful space you know it, my movie so i was like maybe i can use it as like a blues riff you know uh -huh, and kind uh -huh. of fill in my own lyrics and and change it around but like it i i owe a lot to that and the kid wears kid in the film was wearing a shirt that has the coat of arms of Wuppertal, you know, the, uh -huh. the city where they end up. And yeah. So that's my acknowledgement. Um, but Robbie Mueller's photography in that, right. in that film is uh -huh. so gorgeous and like very classic and very sort of um, um, French New Wave at the same time feeling mm -hmm. to me. And and Gordon Willis is just a huge, the, the cinematographer did um, like so many Woody Allen films and yeah. so many other films. Uh, All the Presidents, Men, Godfathers. Um, I, I'm always, um, I just admire him to death, and all my films have been studying him forever. So you, the visual references are mainly other films. No, no, no. Not um, uh, graphic art or paintings or. No, so the, there's other things like that. that are like these. I keep using the word enchantment, which is stupid, but like it's so. Hard. I need so much talking into my own projects. And Miranda's not like that at all. Like she's very convinced, uh -huh. and I'm very unconvinced. I need these other things to like be company, and I often think of it as like these unrequited relationships I'm having with other artists. Where right? I just like jump in, so like Manet or like a Bernard drawing or a David Hockney drawing. Mm -hmm. That's part of why it's black and white too. Like those drawings have this like weird immediacy and sketchiness, but mm -hmm, it's like mm -hmm. this intimacy and quickness, and like I'm right there with David Hockney drawing the person on the couch. And that was part of like I kept saying to myself, the movie is a drawing, not a painting. You uh -huh. know? Like it has that. Yeah, drawings you, feel like they're they're closer to the head or heart or whatever. They're just like immediacy right or and, something, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. So I wanted that. Me and Robbie talked a lot. My DP, um, uh, Robbie Ryan, we talked a lot about like that immediacy. And I, for some reason, like the simplest, like those Manet portraits where the person's just on black and mm -hmm. then they're right in the middle, and there's something kind of like. It's beginning, like the, the pain is beginning to be used as a representation of itself. There's some kind of like scumbliness, mm -hmm. <laughs> and I, I don't know how to say that better, but like there's some kind of like it's. He has like a slightly amateurish quality, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. that it's like kind of chunky or something yeah, like that. Yeah. So just those adjectives, like to me, I was sort of chasing those adjectives a little bit. Uh -huh. um, um, like songs are big. There'll definitely be. A feeling of like just like it could be the shift to the chorus of a song, mm -hmm. and that that will be like I'm going for that, you know, like I'm, uh, that feeling. You said you had you kind of have to be talked into doing project. Was that from friends? You talk to yeah friends and go. Uh, I'm thinking about this. Yeah, and you want to see what their reaction is. And yeah, that's part of it. But I'm sure you, they're all like that. Sounds so great. You got to do that. 
Well, luckily I have friends who don't say that. Oh, it, really? It help, you know, or like, uh-huh. well, yeah, but, yeah, but not that part. Or uh-huh. And I really rely on that. And I love that. And more and more to me, art is like a way to make friends <laughs> or have connections with uh-huh. people like this. You know, it's the beautiful part of it. So I so I seek it out too. It's like a, I have a few friends. Mm-hmm. It's like it's the way I can get them to lunch. During the pandemic, I watched all the old like Hitchcock, uh-huh. black and white yeah. British movies. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of the early stuff before he started doing the really well known. Yeah, movies. Um, I loved them. Uh, they're <laughs> I think so different than what you do what uh-huh. i would do they're they're yeah. so tightly Man- plotted so manipulative like so manipulative, manipulative. Like everything yeah. every moment is leading you it's like a jewel yeah yeah and you just marvel at that yeah, yeah the clockwork yeah aspect of yeah, that yeah during the pandemic i couldn't uh, i had a lot of trouble watching anything that was going to be too emotionally traumatic yeah, yeah absolutely um Especially because I'd watch at the end of at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. I'd make myself yeah. dinner and watch something, and I'd just go. I do not want to go to bed. Yeah. With something incredibly disturbing. Yeah, yeah. Emotionally disturbing in my head. Yeah. Uh, so, so uh, eventually I moved to documentaries, <laughs> which uh, some of which, of course, are uh, disturbing. Yeah. I'm almost done with those. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've gotten really into Weimar Germany and the Bauhaus. Oh my God! Because it's like it's so. F- I love the period, anyways, and it's like kind of what you're saying. It's like I'm gonna be okay. <laughs> you know? <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> Worrying about rectilinearity and you know, uh, and and in the relationship of weaving to fine arts. Like this is great. Uh-huh. I could I can go to sleep. The other thing I do, it's kind of maybe similar to what you're talking about. Is I if I'm stressed out and panicky, which often happens at night. I'll just think through Downton Abbey plot lines, or I'll just try to find one character story, and I will be asleep <laughs> in like ten minutes. <laughs> I have a not with Downton Abbey, but I have occasionally done that where I go, "How? What happened after that? Yeah. And what happened after yeah. that? How did they do that? Just, just to save yourself from your own brain, right? <laughs> yeah, just to just... keep yourself out of your crocodile mouth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can I ask you? Oh, of course, of course. I've, I've, um, um, I would love to know, like you are so prolific and and continually like changing things and reinventing things and not relying on things you know. Um, obviously, that's just like your way or your you've you've committed to that like a long time ago, like change. Or, mm-hmm. um, but how the hell you did you do it? Like, how, or how do you keep it going? Or I don't know. Is there is there a a, a constant process to how you try to come up with ideas? And lyrics uh-huh. and songs, or first of all, yes, it doesn't always work. There's, there's yeah. a fair amount of have a really strong idea, and then you go, uh, actually, that didn't, yeah, didn't really work. Um, lyrics, I'll jot, I'll jot down phrases uh, occasionally, and and so, or sometimes sit down, and they'll just kind of pour out. Occasionally, I'll I'll finish a record or something, and. And I'll go. Oh, okay. I made, yeah, I made a record. I'm really happy with it. And I'll listen to what's kind of on the radio, what's yeah, uh, on the top ten or whatever, and go, wow, I'm kind of out of touch. Uh huh. Not 
not sonically, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think or, so. Or melodically. Yeah. But lyrically, I feel like uh -huh. where there are other people doing a little bit what I do, but I feel like where uh, we're still writing about uh, the same things. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what do you mean? You? I are? mean, like uh, the the not that, not that they'll ever grow tired, but there's the it's just dominated by. Love songs or yeah, yeah. pain songs or divorce songs or I this see. or that or the yeah. other all fine yeah all good but I feel like but there there could be more too it doesn't <laughs> have to be all only that yeah 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 uh, but okay yeah uh, but that might just be me <laughs> <laughs> well I think you you like it makes me think of like you and like Gang of Fortis some people in my life who like offered that up like uh -huh. there's another space besides all those sort of like love songs. You know? Yes, and occasionally I'd hear somebody else who does that, and I just go, "That is amazing that you." And there's uh, emerging artists, younger artists that I hear that, yeah. that do that, and I just go, "This is really amazing." Yeah, I didn't know you could write about that. Oh, that's amazing! I didn't know you could write that way. Yeah, and it's yeah. And then do, do you do you do you feel like you change after hearing that, or or yeah, of course it opens yeah. up. And go, not that I'm going to emulate them, but it feels like okay. That has uh, allowed me, given me permission, yeah, to do something I might not have done before. Right. Right now, um, I'm back doing my Broadway yeah, show, yeah. which emerged out of a tour, which I saw, which is amazing. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Um, that this is a ra kind of strange moment for me because uh, I've committed to doing it for many months, yeah. six months or so, um, which. I might do that with a tour, but I already did a tour. <laughs> but, but in a way, I feel like and that's uh, a that's a physical show. It's a physical show. Yeah. It's a it's obviously I mean, commits me to staying in New York. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. I have right. to do that. You have that life. Um, yeah. It's a well. It's a, because of what it is. It's live theater, live performance. You have to be there for it. Yeah. <laughs> you can't just send it out into the world. Yeah. You physically. Deliver it. Deliver it. Yeah. Uh, and, but at the same time, I feel like it's something that, uh, it's a convergence of lots of paths and things I've been doing for a long time, and they came together and go, this is, yeah, this is the culmination of what I've been doing for quite a while. Yeah. And now it's come together and been realized. Yeah. I kind of need to acknowledge that and let that rest and go and That's keep going with that yeah uh before i toss it aside and yeah see what comes next yeah it's i i found it such a remarkable um striking show and i did i did feel like that as a fan of yours a long time or the sort of the whole kind of twilight tharp side uh -huh. of the experience um and the theatrical side and all of your aesthetics i don't know i found it, i found it like a really amazing amalgamation of a mm -hmm. lot of strands you know but then also like i like you had to tell the audience what you all were doing at the show i was at you had to like, you know the <laughs> this is live and this these these elements are creating all this sound yes. <laughs> even me i was like oh thank god you said that because i was tripping hard on how you all were making <laughs> those songs happen is really uh, and and on top of that the physicality of it all the choreography like I don't know. I was so impressed that you well, like you. you keep you. you keep inventing stuff and keep like shifting it around and like every, all the musicians I know are so they if you bring up that you saw that show, 
they all just fall over. <laughs> like the, all the national guys, Leslie Feist, all these different people are like, wow. oh, you saw that? You know? Yeah. Oh, that's really good to hear. Yeah. That's really nice for me to hear. Yeah. Uh, Can I, I have other questions? Yeah. If yeah, you don't mind, I don't know yeah. how long we're doing this for. <laughs> I don't know. And I don't, this is just a totally selfish, greedy question. And I don't know if you want to talk about it or not, but, um, uh, I, I love true stories. I love Spalding Gray and him in that film and you guys together, like you, him, Laurie Anderson, the very magical people to me <laughs> and that you guys share something to me. Um, mm -hmm. what was it like having him in the film or what was it? I don't know. I don't know any of the stories about uh, it. Um, uh, were you guys friends or like, we knew one another a little bit, not that much. Yeah. I, I knew his work and I just thought, uh, his his demeanor and the way he delivers and, and talks talks about things uh, I thought can I get that but have him actually be acting and not talking about himself and his own yeah his own yeah. situations and thoughts and things yeah Which, not to say that that's not acting too yeah but uh, yeah can have something that's a little more scripted and he could. He was fine. Yes, it was all fine. And he was totally got it. Totally got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he comes out of the Worcester group where yeah. all, there's all this uh, playing with the idea of you know what how performance might be. Yeah. Making it being very transparent and layering things and putting things together that don't belong together. Except, yeah. Uh, so he could do that. And then occasionally he would improvise stuff, which was great. Yeah. Um, and some of that... It was, some of what I was doing was uh, intentionally mixing people from different worlds. There was some non-actors. Yeah, yeah. There was some actors kind of from downtown yeah. theater like Spalding and uh, some others. And then there were kind of trained actor-actors yeah. like John Goodman yeah, and John some Goodman. others. And I thought, is this, is this going to work? Yeah, that was super interesting. But and I thought some of them are might not enjoy working with the other ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and like, had it had it. I mean, it, uh I I that was really inspiring especially when it came out and it had like an electricity because of the the heterogeneity of the vibes of the people <laughs> and the, the relationship to a camera. You feel it's different feeling, mm -hmm. like a different presentation. Yeah. And the and the kind of commerciality of John Goodman versus Spalding Gray, like I I thought that was super um punk <laughs> uh, subversive transgressive uh -huh. like in, a, in a great way yeah um I, I i discovered through that and through other things i've done that you can you can t take something that's kind of on the fringe or outside or whatever and then you put it in a different context and a kind of semi-mainstream audience loves it yeah uh, I just discovered that by well working with uh, the choreographer Andy B. Parsons on the the show yeah. that I'm doing now. Um, a lot of the audience would never go to see her own work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when they're seeing my show, they are seeing her work. Yeah, yeah. And you realize, oh, yeah. You just shift shift the context. Yeah. Or put some music to it, or do this or that, and yeah. suddenly. These things that would be completely regarded as kind of fringy, yeah, yeah. 
out or suddenly like, oh yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, oh, I feel like it's a signature part of your your work, of like bringing in stranger things mm -hmm. and putting them in a context that's like whatever you want to call it, like more public sphere, mm -hmm. or like more commercial is not the right word, but like not not ghettoized in an art space. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's sort of what I, uh, maybe what. Uh, things you were doing early on, working with musicians and uh -huh. things like that, where, yeah, it brings a very different sensibility into the kind of music world. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's interesting. I, I went to Cooper Union and studied under Hans Hacke as like a conceptual uh -huh. artist, and all of us like broke Julian Schnabel plates or like you know, did different like <laughs> low-end work in Soho in the 80s uh -huh. and like, worked at Mary Boone or whatever. And a bunch of us got disgusted or got whatever, got like, um, not disgusted, but like a lot of the, the contradictions and hypocrisies are like really, especially to like 20 year old us, you know, yes, sure, yeah, revolutionaries, yeah. you know. So our way of being revolutionary was like go into the public sphere, going, for me, it's work at Emma Company, go into graphic mm -hmm. design and be like, you know, I thought it was so radical. Uh -huh. <laughs> it's really just so pretentious that you have to like go to Cooper Union to think that being a graphic designer is radical, you know? <laughs> uh, um, but the, I think this, the, the space that you're talking about and combining those different elements is very alive to what we were trying to do mm -hmm. then in a, in a similar vein, I feel like. Um, Speaking of M and Company, yeah. I had uh, Myra Callman, did the, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, right. The pain of the drop in my show, and I saw the book that she did too. Yes, she yeah. did a book, and <laughs> their son Alex, who's a yeah. really great designer. Yeah, wow. He, uh, he designed a book of drawings that I did. Oh yeah. It's, <laughs> yes. It's, yeah, that world is yeah, a little a little world there. Yeah, yeah, it is. How many things? How many projects do you work on at a time? And how many different mediums? Are they, do you need to like bounce between lots of things, or bounce? Yeah, between things a bit. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I think this will be familiar. Some things you know are going to take a long time. Yeah, right, right. To kind of for you to think through it. Yeah. Try this. Let it sit. Yeah. Come back to it and see if you like it and all this. So you know that. So I, I know. Okay, I can, I can maybe put on some music and draw for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I can't go and kind of try and write music for eight hours a day. Yeah, it's like two hours. Yeah, yeah two I, or three hours. Yeah. Really focused, I can do that, and then, yeah. then I have to do something else. Yeah. Um, the challenge is not letting that something else be just answering emails. Yes, yes, <laughs> or freaking on something. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. 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 Um, that's, I can relate to that a lot. Um, although I don't draw anymore. Really? I, I do graphic design very much like on demand, you know, and <laughs> I do it very quickly and, and I love it. But mm -hmm. it's for some reason, I just I'm out of I'm out of that space. Uh huh. Um, like I'll draw with my kid or um, but I, hearing you talk right now, maybe I'll, I'm going to try. <laughs> it sounded like oh, that sounds great. What am I doing? Um, I have another question for you. What, like. So I'd love to ask you what what are the difference between being a musician and being a director, or for you, or obviously I'm guessing you enjoy being a musician more, or like, or how do they bleed into each other? Maybe. Uh, my limited experience being a director, I loved it. I felt like you're really kind of 
creating a whole world. Yeah. Um, it's really seductive in that way. Yeah. Um, it's all, it's very collaborative. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, as a musician, Did, you kind of do that anyway. And then now it's like, oh, now I'm collaborating with the, with the DP, with the, yeah sound mixer with all these other people yeah who are really good at what they do yeah it, it took me a while to kind of learn that coming graph design so solo and then going mm -hmm. so from the get-go were you like that do you think uh like in, the, in terms of your directing life eventually i mean i think uh there was a period both in my directing and in my kind of this this stay it might be the stage presentations like the one that was filled the Jonathan Demi film right. uh, Stop Making Sense yeah I was a little bit more dic of a little dictator yeah 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 I said it has to be this way yeah it's my way or the highway it has yeah. to be like this uh huh it all worked out fine but it was not it could have been a much more pleasant experience yeah, right right <laughs> <laughs> and I <laughs> uh, and I eventually learned that I can learn from these other people that I'm working with. And also that if you, as you explained, uh, working with Joaquin, that if you talk about what you're trying to do and they understand it, yeah, they're going to help you do what it's you want to do. It's the best, yeah. You don't have to just order it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or you're going to get somewhere higher or see a part of, weirdly, see a part of yourself you didn't see. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, so wait, is true stories? Are you the dictatorial making that, or are you more? That was uh, that might have been me starting to come out of it because it had to be collaborative. Yeah, um, it, it's a film, so you've got the yeah the DP Ed Lockman and yeah, I decided... the actors and all these people that they're going to bring their own thing to it. And yeah, yeah, there's only so much. Yeah, I just saw Ed Lockman and and Telluride. Uh huh. Such a lovely soul. Yeah. Just goes yeah. and sees movies and like comes up to me and like we have like the deepest talk. I'm so honored that he like takes the time to watch it and then so committed to the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, just can't. I'm gonna. Just beautiful person. Mm hmm. Yeah. Did you feel overwhelmed and screwed as a director at, at times ever? I mean, that's so hard. That film was big too. <laughs> I think of that film as big, and you're in it. That part, I didn't really want to be in it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I really was pushing for other people. There was a... Um, really? Like who? Who uh, would be you? That would be impossible. Uh, I, I, I wanted... Uh, for a while, I, I wanted this the late weatherman, Willard Scott. Oh, my God. To be That's the narrator person. Oh, my person. God. Yeah, I could see it. And I then it. I wanted, I had another idea. Uh, there's this radio guy, I forget what his name is, and he's he's famous for this voice where he goes, and now for the rest of the story. <laughs> <laughs> I forget what his name was, but he was yeah. just like all over the radio. Yeah, yeah. At that, at that point, and I thought... That's the voice. Yeah. That everybody knows that voice as in that peculiar weird phrasing yeah. that he does. So you're kind of channeling that. 
Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Yes. I, I thought, like, okay, I can I can do kind of odd yeah. phrasing and putting pauses in, in odd places. But I always thought that performance is it's not exactly you, obviously. Yeah. I mean it has a you quality that, that I when I say you, the person I know from records and stuff, but it it's always like, oh what it's a character. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh <laughs> um I was I was lucky, had a uh Line producer, a woman named Karen Murphy, who was very protective. Yeah. Kind of protected me from a lot of the yeah, yeah. stuff that was going on. Yeah. There was a uh, big storm came by one time and destroyed one of the sets. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, so there was all this chaos and are we actually going to get this? Mm-hmm. Or is this kind of, that's it? Mm-hmm. Um, I was somewhat sheltered from mm-hmm. a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyways, it's still uh, I super impressed with all the different, really heterogeneous elements that come together like in a real signature way. And, and uh, that was your first and only. Yeah, yeah. Film? Before that, I'd just done music videos. videos. Yeah. And so, uh, sort of uh, learned. Not that I was going to edit this, but I learned a little bit of editing. Uh, uh-huh. I think we were editing on like three quarter inch yeah. videotapes. Tape to tape? or, or Yeah, like, tape to tape. And yeah. you edit, learn to edit a little bit that way. And or like then, the seagrass. Do you remember yes. like all that? Was well, it I don't remember that? all this stuff. And but then like, you'd go, you have like, if you were lucky, yes. Yeah, if you were lucky, you could go into a, online room. an online room yeah. and actually do a one inch video. Yeah. <laughs> and that was yeah. like, oh. Yeah. When I worked at Emmett Company, I would got I got exposed to that a little bit. I don't I don't think it was one of your guys's projects together, but it was T Bar used to do you know in the Grass Valley. That's what it's oh, called. The machine right. was called Grass Valley, uh-huh. and it had the, these levers like when you imagine an airplane taking yes. off, and you would do dissolves and stuff like uh-huh. that. Right? It was very manual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just made ourselves ancient to many people. Mm-hmm. Can, can I ask one last question? Yeah. It, it just if you want. Sure, sure. I'm and just as a human, I'm curious what. Do you know what you're doing next, or like how far down the road do you think? Uh, do you have a new project you're hoping for? I have um, a project next summer, uh, kind of an immersive science theater wow. thing, where it's a bunch of rooms yeah. and an audience, a small audience is led from room to room, and as they go into one, another audience is led into the first one. So that's supposed to be the way where you get the numbers yeah. high enough to justify it. And they have kind of mm, kind of perception-altering experiences. Wow. And then the challenge is to have the guide be a character who tell, gets, gets you involved in a kind of an emotional story yeah. that takes you through it instead of it just being like a fun house. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's that's a challenge. We think we've gotten pretty close to being that, but of course you'll never know until you start trying it with an audience. Yeah. To see what their reactions are and if they get engaged in that. So but I mean, that's in Denver. That's, That'll be in Denver. Yeah. They, they found an old kind of army warehouse that uh-huh. you can to, do that. To space. I mean, yet, but yet another like from the ground up project that's like i don't think you've ever done anything like that that sounds so wild no, and, and new it, and yeah but as with those kind of projects i did a workshop of it yeah yeah years ago and it's uh-huh. and i don't know eight years or so okay so it sort evolved. of grows right? yeah it grows yeah. and you kind yeah. of go no that doesn't work yeah this yeah. part works oh cool um 
Um, well, maybe we should. Okay. I, I could okay. do this all day long. <laughs> it's like a dream for me. Um, thank you so much for coming. Thank to you. The movie thank you for inviting me. Great I, to see you. Great to see we you. We didn't have uh, a chance to talk after the movie or anything like that after yeah. the screening. So this was really this. Good. Was kind of better, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very sweet. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. The A24 podcast is produced by us, A24. Special thanks to our editor, Tom Wyatt, and Robot Repair, who composed our theme. 